Street Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing, no BS. For more info, www.streetsmartrei.com. Hello everyone, my name is Yarek Buchholz. I'm one of the guys who's working hard to make Canada Real Estate Investors Club profitable and helping all you investors and members to be as successful as you can. And we have a very, very good, uh, knowledgeable investor, Mr. Michael Ponty from Vancouver. Hello, Michael. Hello there. How are you today? I'm doing great. Really looking forward to uh, talking to everybody and sharing a little bit of expertise and knowledge and being able to share and and get uh, to answer some questions. So looking forward to getting going here. Definitely that. I promise you, our members are very, very keen and they, they're looking forward to have you on board and to answer all those questions. Uh, we have also John, who is our assistant, and she will be overseeing and tell us to stop talking too much. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> Hi everyone. Hi boss. Hi Michael. <laughs> okay, Hi <so>. there. <laughs> perfect. So the way how uh, we are will be doing the presentations is very simple, like usual. This is educational presentation hosted by Canada Research Investors Club. We are inviting the most knowledgeable investors in entire Canada to share their knowledge. So Mike, Mr. Michael, he he agreed to to share his knowledge about joint venture partnerships. Okay, so the way how we are doing is I will switch over soon to his PowerPoint presentation and he will be talking. Uh, please do not feel scared to ask the questions during the presentation. The way how you can ask is very simple by raising your hand or typing the question and I will be seeing and monitoring that. If you have a microphone, and I do really encourage to have one, you will be unmuted and you ask Mr. Michael directly. Otherwise, you will type that question on the question section or chat section, and I will read it. Okay? So, mm, let's go. Okay, here is a question right away. <laughs> Michael will provide PowerPoint presentation. Uh, what yeah, do you think? I don't have a problem. Yeah, I don't have a problem sending the PowerPoint presentation. It's going to be in a PDF format in more of a notes version, but uh, you guys be more than, I'd be more than happy to send it over to uh, Yarek, and Yarek, maybe you can send it out to the distribution. Uh, you, you, okay. This simple way is you go to the Canada REIC website, okay, and you will have an option. It's slower because we are broadcasting live at this moment. There is a resources and the members downloads. Okay. Okay. So my dog is barking. Can you can you imagine? So members downloads and you can download <laughs> the section. Right. That's the running business from home. Perfect. So the way how we are see see it is I'm going to switch to you, Michael, at this moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make you a presenter. 
Here we go. So Perfect. guys, you will be switching. Okay, and you have to just show the screen. Okay. Perfect, great. Okay. Everybody sees the uh, screen? Yes. screen, here we go. Great, perfect. Okay, so we're ready to go? Yes, you're ready to go. You can just click uh, okay. slideshow and start the presentation. Perfect, I'm just going to move this to the side here. Excuse me. Okay, well, first of all, Yarek, I just want to thank you and Joan uh, for the opportunity to, to speak in front of your guys' group especially on this type of topic. It, it is such a, a, an important topic for people that are wanting to really expand their real estate investment uh, journey. Um, again, my name is Mike Ponte. I'm the president and founder of uh, Prosperity Real Estate Investments. And really, don't feel afraid to ask any questions. Ask questions throughout the presentation because there may be some things that you want to come up with uh, or even ask at the very end. I'm more than happy to assist and answer any questions that you have. So um, maybe just to kind of get the ball rolling here, I thought I'd give a little bit of a, an introduction of myself and, and kind of where I came from. Um, and just kind of like many people, just uh, like many people, just kind of getting started several years ago. You know, our company is located in uh, Langley, British Columbia. Uh, we've been investing in real estate since around 2003. We bought our uh, very, very first property uh, out in the Edmonton, Alberta area. And probably very similar to many people that got started, had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We just got ourselves a property rented it out and was kind of hoping for the best. And uh, there was not a lot of sophistication behind it or any of that stuff, but the learning process started kind of from there. Um, shortly after that, um, we started to kind of establish and, and grow our business. We bought our first three properties within about a year. Um, and then shortly after that, we started using joint venture partners um, to start to grow the business. By uh, 2006, we founded the company uh, Prosperity Real Estate Investments, and we owned about 17 properties uh, at that time, uh, with the majority of them using joint venture money. Um, currently today, uh, oh, sorry, in 2007, I uh, became a full-time real estate investor, so I was able to leave my job. I was a, a director in a major corporation um, in Canada and did a lot of traveling and all of that, and then decided to go real estate full board, and it was just been an absolute wonderful experience for me, and, and I have to thank, thank real estate and joint venturing for that opportunity. Uh, so currently our company holds and manages over $18 million worth of uh, investment real estate, so we kind of have a mixed bag, and I've got a lot of experience in residential property, be it townhouses, residential homes, I've got fourplexes, sixplexes, and then we do a big, vast uh, majority of apartment buildings as well, uh, 20 units, 30 units, so several different array of different products. Um, so really, at the end of the day, you know, our company's focus is trying to buy at a minimum roughly around two properties a month, um, and that's kind of really our mandate, and the big focus is we're trying to constantly look at joint venture partners as providing us opportunities to grow that business. For me, joint venturing really has changed a lot of my life because for me, it was about working really, really hard for a company, doing a lot of traveling, and now it provides me the opportunity to kind of work from home. We are a home-based office, which is just awesome, spend a lot of time with families, and I'm hoping that I can share some of my experience and some of the knowledge and, and some of the things that I've learned along the way and even some of the mistakes 
to help you guys become successful in your journey with real estate as well. Now I understand there's a lot of people that are doing a variety of different types of real estate transactions and it doesn't matter if you're buy and hold or if you're fix and flip or if you're looking to start up your own business. It, joint venturing really provides opportunities. Once you start to really open the opportunity in joint venturing, it can provide you with so many benefits and so many different facets of life. Uh, it's just understanding how to turn that key to make it successful for you. So anyway, without further ado, I'm just going to kind of highlight a little bit about joint venturing. And to maybe start off, for a lot of people that don't necessarily know what a joint venture is, I thought I'd kind of start off with something relatively simple. And it's just the definition. And I bet you even a lot of more of the sophisticated people don't even necessarily know what a true joint, joint uh, a definition of a joint venture. So I'm just going to share this real quick. A joint venture is a contractual business undertaking between two or more parties. It is similar to a business partnership with one key difference. A partnership generally involves an ongoing long-term business relationship, whereas a joint venture is based on a single business transaction. So that is the kind of the key element. When you're talking joint venture, it is really referenced based on a single transaction versus a business. So when you're talking to your lawyers, that is really how they identify the differences in a partnership versus a joint venture. And there's many ways joint ventures are established. You'll see a lot of this stuff in the media today for companies that are joint venturing together. There was some recent stuff with oil companies as well, creating a joint venture. And the reason for this, you know, I'll goes back to the, the second paragraph here. It's individuals and companies choose to enter joint ventures in order to share strengths, minimize risks, and increase competitive advantages in the marketplace. So those are some of the main reasons why people want to joint venture. But from a real estate perspective, it may be a little bit different. And this is probably going to hit home to a lot of people. So why are real estate experts joint venture? Why do people joint venture? Normally that's kind of a question to people, but the tendency is for these key points, and there's probably several more, but I just referenced kind of the most the, the largest ones. The first one, they ran out of money or they absolutely have no money. So that's one of the main reasons why people joint venture. They just don't have any money or they, they just ran out. Secondly, they can't qualify for mortgages. They may be at a point where they've bought two or three properties and they just can't qualify for anymore. So they use joint ventures to help qualify for these specific mortgages. Thirdly, looking to purchase bigger properties. You're seeing a lot of joint ventures that tend to happen for like more commercial properties. So if you're buying a strip mall, uh, a development, for example, a lot of land use. So they're either using needing extra money or to help service our debt service strength. So for example, if someone doesn't have a very strong debt service ratio from the bank, they may leverage somebody else's strengths and credit and everything to secure the property and, and satisfy the bank's requirements. Sharing of expertise, and that kind of talks about the previous slide, and it's really looking at acquisition partners, uh, sharing of expertise. So for example, you might have somebody that's an acquisition partner and a property manager, or a realtor and a property manager, and they share the responsibility of uh, the transaction in regards to their expertise, and one person will actually look out and buy properties while the other one manages it. Last but not least is looking to be the next Donald Trump in the world, so trying to build that empire. And a lot of people start to look at that, especially when they first get started in real estate investing. You know, I always said real estate is kind of like a, a highly addicted drug. Once you kind of start, it's really tough to, to, to stop. You always want to buy more and more and more, and I, I am guilty of that as well. Um, so really, you know, you start to want to expand on this empire. You just don't have enough money, and you try to, you try to continue on. So to share just a kind of quick story, for me, when I first started joint venturing, 
I bought my first three properties on my own. And very similar to probably a lot of people that are out there, they had a home equity line of credit and started to buy a few properties on their own. At some point, you start to run out of money. And that's exactly kind of what happened to us. Um, kind of my experience in, you know, is in sales. And you know, I had a very strong sales background in my previous career and you know, signed up multi-million dollar contracts in, in, with my previous company and uh, just had a lot of fun with it. And I had all the confidence in the world that I would be able to raise joint venture money, no problem. So I was absolutely confident. So what I did is I literally spent about a good week uh, preparing this big binder, roughly around 50 pages worth of market analysis, statistics, cash flow analysis, return on your investment, everything. So I was ready to hit the street. So I had this big, thick binder full of information ready to present it to our potential client. So my very first presentation pretty much sat the client down. He barely name out introducing himself before I started my presentation. Roughly around three hours later of me going through stats and analysis and cash flow analysis and returns on investment and everything like that, I was so excited, very passionate, and at the very, very end, you know, I had to ask, so what do you think? And I got the, I got the answer that no salesperson ever wants to hear. They'll get back to me. In sales, sales lingo, that pretty much says he's not going to be going, he's not going to be participating. So roughly around seven presentations later, three hours per presentation, roughly 21 hours worth of presentations later, I got zero, absolutely zero clients. I'll talk about a shot to the ego, especially for somebody that's been in sales for so long. Uh, it really hit home and it really, it was a really tough pill to swallow and it really questioned what I was doing. And I'm sure for a lot of people, they may have gone through this already. And this is kind of where my presentation starts to turn. I literally went home with my tail between my legs and just told my wife the story and I just said, listen, you know, I've gone out presented, I've got this big binder, I spent a lot of time on this thing, I just don't understand why people aren't participating. So she asked me to pitch her real quickly. I said, great. So I started my presentation with her and she's never been in sales in her life whatsoever and she figured out the problem within about 10-15 minutes. I, she's like, when are you going to actually start talking about me and understanding what I'm looking for? I didn't realize this, but for me, I was spending so much time talking about how good this deal was, I had no idea what they were looking for. I was pitching something that they may not even be interested in. So for me, it really changed my mindset in regards to how I was presenting to my clients, which is what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, the best thing to do is try to understand what your money partners are looking for. And, and I did this. With, uh, with some previous seminars and also with, uh, sorry, I'm just having some troubles here. There we go. So one of the things I do is I actually do seminars on a regular basis and, and I also have uh, a training program as well. And I ask this question of them. So I've probably met and talked to probably over, probably about four to 500 people. And the answers have always been the same. So really, what are money partners looking for? So I ask them the question, if you were a money partner, what would you be looking for in an investment partner or a real estate expert? And based on highest to lowest in regards to uh, priority first, these are some of the main things that people were looking for. Okay? And if anybody met the Fockers, I kind of brought that out in the slide just because the, the circle of trust because the number one, the absolute number one thing people were looking for is trust in the person that they were going to be giving their money to. And 
it's quite interesting, especially for the first three or four points. First came trust, second was integrity and honesty. So it's really the perception of the individual. Third, the business plan. What is their purchase strategy? What is their strategy from the very beginning? And even more importantly, what is their exit strategy? So how long do they need to keep that money in play for and when can they actually exit? What's the individual's track record? Is there some credibility? You know, For some people that may not have investment partners or don't own real estate, as long as there's some credibility behind you that you do what you say you're going to do, uh, that does hold well as well for joint venture partners, even if you're just getting started. Now we start to get into some of the business side. You know, what's your management style? What types of things and how are you going to be managing the property? What's the security? What type of liability and risk that's involved? Is there minimal risk? Is there a high risk? Common vision. Are the goals that you have very similar to the goals of the money partner? So those are some of the things. Now this is the interesting point. Point eight, return on investment. That's coming at one of the bottom in regards to understanding what their return on investment is. They are looking for safety, security, and even more importantly, they're looking for trust of the individual first before they even are looking at their return on investment. And based on the history and some of the things that I've come that I've learned over the last several years, if you're able to sell and you're able to provide trust to a potential joint venture partner, you could sell them a ton of property. No problem. But it has to start with trust first. Once they've trusted you, they will trust you wholeheartedly and really you could pretty much sell them any type of property. Obviously you want to make sure that integrity and honesty is in the play as well. So the last but not least is some financial tracking. Okay, but the real point of the whole thing was just your return on investment. For me, when I started my presentations with all these people, those first seven people that I started presenting to, I presented on return on your investment. How good of a return this property was going to be able to provide you, yada, yada, yada. But what happened was I didn't get past the first three or four points first and didn't establish trust. So that's why I absolutely didn't go anywhere. I didn't necessarily understand what they were looking for. So using this as a guideline, and I highly encourage you to take some of these notes because this really opened the door in regards to the amount of joint venture partners I was able to find. It's starting out with trust, integrity, and honesty. And I'm going to share a few things with you in the latter part of the presentation of how you can start to do that in your presentations to help you get more joint venture partners. So I hope that will work out for everyone. Okay. So the important thing is trying to get in the head of your joint venture partner. Understand what they're looking for and what they have. So knowing your money partner. Okay. So here you've got an individual that may have $100,000. He has lots of choices to choose from in regards to finding different real estate partners. Now, uh, I'm not sure how many people are on this call today, but at the end of the day, you guys are all competition for the same amount of money. Okay? Now, understand, there's tons of money out there, but the reality, this individual has several choices of who he's going to give it to. So he wants to know who that person is. So what they have right now is they have equity more often than not from their home, a line of credit. They've taken a course or have taken a course, have gone to a seminar and have said, hey, listen, I can use my home equity line of credit to invest in real estate and be able to generate some cash flow, uh, get a better return versus it just sitting there. They tend to often have a capacity to borrow for mortgage approval. So they normally have a debt service, a very low debt service, more often than not. So they are looking, they have the ability to qualify for the mortgages, which is what you're looking for. Even more importantly, because they're talking real estate, they do have a drive to improve their financial future. 
especially in these types of crises that we're seeing out there today. It's amazing with the stock market and everything going on. This is a great opportunity to be in the real estate game because it's providing so many options for, for people to look at an, a different alternative investment. Okay? Now what they don't have is they don't have experience or knowledge in real estate investing. They don't have an understanding of the real estate market. They don't even know where to invest. A network of people to help them purchase. So they don't have no investment team, no property manager, realtor, mortgage broker. They don't have any of these people. Uh, they don't tend to have access to quality investment opportunities. And the big one is they, they lack time. They just don't have time. With kids, I don't know if anybody's got kids out there, but they know with all the hockey and soccer and ballet and all these things, it just takes up so much time from people's lives. And with the lack of time, they lack time to educate themselves on how to do it properly. So they're looking for someone to fill in that gap. And that's what you need to provide for them. So you need to be the one that provides the expertise, the knowledge, the understanding, and hopefully an investment team to help support them in what their goals are. And at the end of the day, you guys both win together. So why do people join venture? Okay. So I'm going to use a little bit of an analogy here that I like to use. So imagine someone, imagine you've always had an interest in, in skydiving. Okay. So you go to a skydiving center. And the instructor just gives you a parachute, no instructions, no nothing. Says put it on, and then says go on the plane. The plane goes up roughly around 10,000 feet, and then tells you to jump. You know your initial feeling is pretty much very similar to what this guy is, I would imagine. Absolute scared to death, absolute fear, and not necessarily know what he's doing. Okay. Now in real estate, it's a lot the same way because what happens is they may have a lot of money but they just don't know what they're doing and they don't pull the trigger because they're absolutely scared to death of, of losing money, making mistakes, and all those things. So it's very similar to the skydiver. Now, imagine the same skydiver having some support. Okay? So that same skydiver not only helps you, he provides you with lessons, instructions, provides you with kind of uh, what if, some emergencies, tips, and even more importantly, he actually comes on the ride with you. So he's actually sharing some of the, the liability and the risk included with you. Now, I would imagine most of you would say the experience probably on the right, especially when you're first jumping, is probably a little bit more uh, satisfying than the, the person on the left just because you, you know that somebody else is there to support you. Well, this is kind of where joint venturing absolutely works because you are that person behind that individual supporting them. You're, helping them, providing them guidance, you're showing them the ropes, and you're also there managing everything just in case everything goes wrong, in case anything goes wrong. You're there to support the business, which is the real estate transaction, and, uh, and then at the end of the day, the experience is a hopefully a very positive experience. So feel free to use this analogy in your presentations, because I use this quite regularly, and it does open the eyes of why people want to join venture, and, and it does work very, very well. Okay, so. Now, here you go. So this is kind of the million-dollar question. And for a lot of newbies or for people that have tried trying to find joint venture partners, I get this question asked all the time. Where do you find these joint venture partners? Well, this is the secret that I'm sure many of you are probably dying to find out. They're everywhere. Okay. There is no small little town where all these joint venture partners are, where they have got boatloads of money and they just sit in this one little uh, motel waiting for you to come by. 
they are absolutely everywhere. It's up to you to go and find them. So, you know, there are so many places that you need to be looking and paying attention to, and the best part to do it is you just need to get out there and start networking. So where do you start networking? And here's some of the places that I did when I first started going, and then just some suggestions as well. You know, you can really go everywhere. You know, go to some real estate workshops, go to some seminars, even come to my seminars. You know, be, feel free to, to, to go in and present that you are a real estate expert looking for joint venture partners for our next project. You know, look at workshops, family members, friends, church groups, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the Canadian Real Estate Investment Club forum. You know, here you've got, you know, over 2,000 people in a forum all looking for either investment opportunities or their investors. Here's a great forum that you guys get a chance to talk to other investors and share experience and possibly look for joint venture partners. I can't tell you how many times I have found investors from forums like this. So take advantage of it. So anyway, that's my only plug for Create Third Year. Hopefully you're okay with that. <laughs> Go for now, it. The other, <laughs> the other one I wanted to really highlight was Facebook and Twitter. And for people that are not social media savvy, especially in your real estate business, you're missing out on a huge opportunity, well, especially when you're talking about integrity, honesty, and trust. From Facebook and with Twitter, um, by you posting you know, recent articles that are happening, especially with the latest Bank of Canada announcement in regards to not raising rates, you know, share some stories, share some of your expertise. You know the saying, the more you give, the more you get. That is so absolutely true. Use Facebook and Twitter to your advantage because what happens is they get to know you a little bit more and then you start to build trust and credibility just by using Facebook and Twitter without even actually talking to them. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, and even myself, that have got leads from Facebook and Twitter from people that I've never talked to. They've just said, yeah, I've been following your Facebook page, Facebook uh, posts and uh, love to get a chance to talk to you. So they, you know, by utilizing Facebook and Twitter, it really helps you at least get out there if you don't get a chance to go to a lot of seminars and workshops, okay? So next, it's kind of really understanding where to start, and this is always one of the biggest challenge. A lot of people just tend to start joint ventures by just kind of getting out there. So they go out to the public and start trying to find joint ventures. But if we remember from our earlier scenario, the first thing people look for is trust. So you need to find people that already know you a little bit better and have some type of a understanding of trustworthiness, honesty, and some integrity. And the best place to start, to be honest, is your friends and family. So we talk about targeting your market, starting at one point first. Okay? You know, by looking at your friends and family, they have already got a chance to know you. They know who you are. They understand who you are. And, they, and that the important thing is to start talking to them a little bit about real estate. Now, you don't want to be selling them constantly, but you want to just be sharing some of the things that you're doing. So some of the advantages with friends and family is they already know you. You've got a personal relationship with them, which is great, and it, it takes away those first three or four points with integrity, honesty, and trust, hopefully. And from there, you could be, it could be a much easier sale than versus dealing with somebody they've never talked to. Okay? The other part is there's very limited marketing expense that you need to, to incur as well in this business uh, with friends and family. Now, some of the disadvantages. Okay, you got to remember they know you. So that time when you were 12 years old and and you gave your cousin that atomic wedgie, uh, they will remember that. So they will also say, okay, I remember, I remember Mike when he did that. I don't know if he's mature enough to deal with that. And that is kind of a, a challenge that you have to kind of overcome. Is that you 
become a lot more mature than when you were a little kid. You know, the other challenge is they also expect a deal. You know, because you are a family member, that you'd be more willing to give some give some deals out versus just the general public. So be aware that that may happen. The other challenge, and this is a very valid one, is it can strain some relationships with family. Uh, the biggest one, believe it or not, is jealousy. People become a little bit jealous that you're going down this road, that you are buying more property and becoming successful, and they don't want to participate in that because they don't want you to become successful. It sounds really awkward and really weird, but trust me, it does tend to happen sometimes. The other challenge with friends and family is they don't, you know, every time they see you, they may tend to feel like you're trying to sell them all the time. So if they've already said no, just leave it, let it be, and then destroy your family and your friends. Uh, but again, don't hesitate to have a discussion with them and at least open up the conversation. You know, when you're talking about real estate with people at a barbecue, share some of your experience and knowledge. Here's a perfect opportunity to actually show that you can be trusting and, and, uh, and honest and that you're an expert in the field that, that you're in. Sorry, I'm just going to have a quick water here. The next one here, the next stage is once you've kind of depleted your friends and family, the next sex, next circle would be your referrals, would be referrals. So these are actually referrals from friends and family. I would imagine several of you have asked for a referral in, in, your, in your days in regards to finding a good mechanic, a good dentist, a good doctor. And the reason why you do that is because you trust your friends. You trust your friends and, and uh, they're going to provide you with a good quality contact uh, because you guys are friendships. Well, the same thing applies here. So by sharing what you do with your friends and family, it's amazing the type of referrals that can come from it. So especially if you've done some business with some friends and family, the leads that can come from that, uh, because they may be at a barbecue and they may say, hey, yeah, I'm looking at buying some real estate. Wow, you should talk to Mike. Mike would be more than happy to talk to you about what he's done. I've invested with him as well. Really, it's amazing those discussions that can have, happen. You know. The best part is referrals can actually be sold by your friends and family as well because of the experience, because they can say that you are a trustworthy person, you're an honest person. It starts to limit the amount of uh, issues in the very first four sections of trust, integrity, and honesty that uh, come up in regards to finding joint venture partners. Okay? Now some of the disadvantages, they do require more work than friends and family in regards to building a relationship. Uh, they may take some more convincing. So it's not as easy as friends and family. And the, probably the bigger one is there's a little bit more expense in regards to marketing yourself. You may need some business cards and a few small different things to help establish yourself once you start to get into this bigger circle. So these are things you need to take into consider. So once you start to expand your horizons going from your friends and family to your referrals, more expense is going to also happen. Longer timelines in regards to getting them to hopefully come over. So be expecting that. Last but not least is new relationships. And a lot of the people that I talk to, specifically uh, people that are just getting started in joint venture partners, start with new relationships, which in my opinion, they should actually start with friends and families first. You know, the disadvantage there, this takes a lot longer to uh, establish good trusting relationships, integrity, and honesty. So it can take time. I've had relationships where it's even taken up to almost two years to finally get them convinced. But again, just by staying relatively close with them and building a relationship, they finally came around. So there's a lot more work it takes from this. They're harder and very, very hard to find. So it takes a lot more time for you to start to network with a lot of these people 
people. So that means seminars, that means networking groups, it means you know going to forums and stuff like that. And I don't discourage you to do so. You should do it. But even more so, it just takes a lot more time for you to do it. Now, some of the advantages, there are no personal relationships there. So you know, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. You, you may never see them again. Uh, the other part that's really positive about this, the relationship is more considered as a business relationship versus a funded family. So again, no discounts. It is more of a business structure more than anything. Uh, and then it's e much easier to present to um, a new relationship than even a friend and family, believe it or not, because you're not so concerned that you're going to damage a relationship here. So new relationships provide a lot of opportunity, but my recommendation is start first with your inner circles first before expanding to a lot of new relationships. Once you start to, you know, start to do a few joint ventures in their inner circles, it becomes a lot easier in the newer relationships. But again, there's a, a little bit more cost that's attached to it. Okay. So at this stage of the game, you've hopefully started to kind of build some relationships, started to present yourself uh, in regards to being a marketing expert, a real estate expert. At some point, you will say, somebody will say, you know what, Mike? I'm interested. I'd like to hear a little bit more about it. This is where panic comes in because a lot of people just don't necessarily know how to present in front of a joint venture partner. You get nervous because you spent all this time and work and energy to uh, convince them to actually look at your opportunity. Now you've got to present to them. So I'm going to be sharing a few tips and tricks that I've used over the past to help you present in front of a joint venture partner uh, to help you become successful in securing them. Okay? Whoops. Sorry, I'm just having a little trouble here. There we go. So, joint venture presentation. So, the first thing I always like to do is create a money partner questionnaire. And I do have a questionnaire for everybody at the very end of the presentation as well. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. So, what you want to do is really ask them a bunch of questions. The reality is you want to look in the reverse. You're not there to present. You should actually be getting them to present to you and they should be talking between 65 to 70 percent of the time of your meeting. And it may sound a little unusual. Now this is what I usually like to do and kind of turning this around on them. Is they're expecting a presentation and a pitch but what you want to do is turn it around on them and ask them a bunch of questions of what they're looking for. Remember it's about them. It's about what they want. So I ask them a bunch of questions. So here's just a few of them in the in the questionnaire that I'll provide you at the very end. Do you own a home? You know, what's the equity available that you have? So this is kind of one of the very first questions, and it may sound pretty abrupt, but you know, I kind of do this for a very reason. And the reason is you don't want to be wasting your time as well as their time. Part of this questionnaire is they're qualifying you, but in the same breath, you're also qualifying them. So instead of spending the next hour and a half to almost two hours possibly, uh, asking a bunch of questions at the very end, you realize they have no money. You want to ask that very question up, up front. So, do you own a home? What's the equity available? What type of what type of what type of uh, cash outlay do you have to go into a potential joint venture with myself? Very quickly, you'll be able to say yes. We can move on to the next step, or very quickly, you can say, you know what? I've only got three thousand dollars. Unfortunately, that's not going to be enough to do this joint venture. Um, maybe this isn't the right investment for you at this time, but we'd love to chat about it maybe down the road and just kind of end it there. So right away, that's the very first question that I always like to ask just to start to pre-qualify them in advance to see if this is the right candidate and I should be spending my time with them. Secondly, 
where do you want to be in five years financially and what are your investment goals? This is a key question you want to ask because what tends to happen is when they come to meet with you, they absolutely have no idea. They have no goals. They have no, no financial understanding and they don't necessarily know where they want to be. So what you're doing is you're challenging them to try to come up with the plan right in front of you. And this one question alone, believe it or not, will help you become successful because as they are customizing a plan, you are also integrating yourself as part of that plan. So in regards to they want to make $5,000 a month of passive income and they're going to be looking for some support and where's that support? It's in the individual that's standing right in front of them. So by asking some of these questions, helping support them in regards to helping them establish some goal setting, you are starting to build some trust and credibility because you're helping them to become successful. So asking these questions really helps them. What real estate investing experience do you have? So by asking this question, you probably will get a very simple answer is probably none or very, very little. And it makes them realize why they want to join venture with you in the first place because hopefully you've got more experience than, this, than the couple or this individual has. So you're just kind of identifying it and letting them know that they don't necessarily have the experience and that's why they need to come to you to do it. So what is your primary focus in real estate investing? Understanding exactly what their objectives are. What is it that they're trying to focus on? Um, and what percentage is a good return on your investment? These two questions I always find is a good qualifier for the real estate expert, which would be myself or you guys. Uh, really, if they come back and they tell me that they're looking to make a 200% return on their investment every six months for the next five years, uh, that's great and all, and I would love to actually participate in an investment like that, but I personally can't give you an investment like that. Right away, you know that you can't necessarily meet their expectations, and you may, you're better off to walk away than to continue on with the discussion. And you have to just be honest with them and say, listen, I can't do that, but this is what I'm available to do. If you're looking for a 200% return on your investment every six months, I don't know where you're going to find it, but if you do find it, let me know. I'm just a phone call away. I'd be happy to participate in that one as well. Thank you very much. What are your cash flow expectations? What are type of the cash flows that you're looking for? So it's really understanding what they're looking for, what are their goals, trying to better understand them. And then by doing this, like I said, you are actually being part of this plan. You're helping them, and by helping them, they're wanting to work with you a little bit closer. Are you prepared to take immediate action? By asking this one question, you know if they're really serious or if they're just tire kickers. And if they're able to say, I'm ready to take immediate action, you know you've got yourself a very good quality lead and that you want to continue to pursue it. If they tell you that they are just trying to look for information, then you know you may not be, there may not be anything in the very short term. So I've got a list of questions. They're roughly around 20 questions. I am going to give a free copy of the questionnaire at the very end to all the participants that are attending this. So I'll be more than happy to give this to you so you guys can use this to help you with your success. Now, question number two, or part of your presentation, is this is the time where you actually start to present a little bit about yourself. And it doesn't need to be in too much detail. Really what you want to do is highlight that you're an investor, that you're looking to, for quality properties. These are the areas that I'm putting my focus and attention on, and, and this is what I'm doing. At this stage, you also want to be sharing how the joint venture split works as well. A lot of people think that they should weight the joint venture split. Of, you know, more often than not, it's 50-50 at the very, very end. Hit it up front so you can take the shock out of it right off the very, very beginning. So if there's a joint venture and you want to say it's a 50-50 split, and I'll explain why shortly, then you kind of get that thing out there, that big muscle ball out there, so then you can start to explain why 
during your presentation. And I'm going to share a few little tricks and tips as well to help you overcome that objective as well. Okay. The next part is well, after you presented yourself, it's about presenting your business plan. And it really highlights a lot of the key points that the joint venture partners are looking for. So it's really kind of going back to that second or third slide that I presented earlier. You know, you want to present your business plan, the area that you're interested in, why, the types of property that you're interested in, your strategy, what is, what is it, what is your exit strategy, what are some of the things that you're wanting to do, that you're planning to do to help this joint venture become successful. And by doing so, you're going to be able to be, you're going to be upfront, they're going to see that you actually have a game plan in place, and it's very, very crystal clear so they clearly understand it, they know when they're going to get in, how much it's going to be to get in, and when to get out. Next is a typical investment with a joint venture split. So for me, what I like to do is I don't actually share an actual investment deal with a client, especially in my first meeting. I actually just kind of give a typical investment, so kind of an idea of what cash flow returns are going to be, a typical idea of the types of equity that they're going to gain, and then in addition, the types of returns they would get based on an average deal. So I kind of use a little bit of my history to help share that experience and share the types of returns they would get. At the very end, you've presented everything, you've presented a, a typical investment, your business plan, and this is where a lot of real estate experts stop. They forget to ask for the sale. Don't be afraid to ask for the sale with all the work that you've done in this presentation. Ask for it. Ask them and just say, listen, based on what we've presented today, what's your feelings? What do you think? Would you be interested in, in taking a look at an, an investment opportunity? And if they say yes, right away, get them to sign a letter of commitment right there. So it's kind of more of a letter intent. In some cases, some people like to do joint venture agreements. For myself, I'm just looking for a commitment. And most of the time with a letter of commitment, the commitment letter should just reference, yes, I'm interested in participating in a project. I'm willing to invest in, 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 a, in a module of roughly around $50,000, $100,000, doesn't matter. And I'm going to be purchasing a townhouse or an apartment building. And I'm going to take a percentage share of 50% equity, 50% cash flow. So it's something really simple. You know, it's a one-page document. It should be really clean that you get them to sign. And after signing that letter of commitment, my recommendation is make sure you get a deposit. Get a deposit of between three to $5,000 and put that in a trust account. Put that in a joint account between the joint venture partner and as well as the joint venture expert. And in this way, they can feel that they have access to and see the money at any given time. And that money is to be used for the purchase of an actual property. Okay, So those are some of the steps that I like to use in the presentation. And what I did in the past literally got me zero leads, absolutely zero in regards to just focusing on the deal. Now I actually don't really talk about a particular deal. I try to spend more time on them and just kind of give brush, broad stroke some of the things that I'm looking for, some of the business plan, the typical investment. So right now, based on the way I'm presenting it based in this format, I'm a little bit more successful. I would say somewhere between 65 to 70% uh, turn out to be joint venture partners. And it's just by following this presentation plan. And it does work very, very well when you keep focused on helping them. And what are you going to do to help them achieve their objectives? Okay, so a lot of people ask me what a typical joint venture structure looks like, and there's many different ways, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen some of joint venture presentations in the past, and there's many different ways to spin it, but this is kind of a standard structure, okay, and this is very, very common specifically in residential 
uh, property. So if you're looking at townhouses, apart, uh, sorry, townhouses or uh, fourplexes or something of that nature, that is a very, very standard, uh, very, very standard um, process. So typical joint venture structure looks like this. The down payment and the mortgage qualification is usually done by the money partner. So when you see MP, that's what it stands for, money partner. So the money partner comes up with the money, the down payment. They also come up and they also qualify for the mortgage as well. Uh, in regards to securing and managing a quality investment property, that is the real estate expert. So for the real estate experts on this call, that would be yourself. So your responsibility is to get the acquisition, secure the property, and even more importantly, you've got to manage this thing. And so make sure this property is fully tenanted out if you're doing uh, buy and hold. Uh, equities earned, the equity earned is usually split 50-50. The cash flow that's split is usually 50-50. And the one thing a lot of people tend to uh, not know is that in most cases, and especially some of your competition that you're looking at, your risk and your liability is also shared 50-50. So if the property by chance loses $10,000, $20,000, we'll use $20,000 as an example, your liability is also split 50-50 and you'd be losing $10,000. So you've got to be prepared for this and this is extremely important why you need to choose good quality properties, you know, hopefully with good strong cash flow to help mitigate a lot of that risk. So as people are, as you're looking for joint venture partners and these joint venture partners are out there with $100,000 looking at the best opportunity, your competition is using that risk and liability 50-50, okay? Now the one point that I really wanted to highlight and I've seen a lot of success, or sorry, a lot of failure because a lot of people didn't follow this. Um, is keeping the partnership, keeping the joint venture partnership really, really simple. So if you're looking to raise, say for example, $50,000 to purchase a house or a townhouse or something of that nature, don't start pooling $2,000 increments from, from 25 different partners to do this deal. You're absolutely asking for a nightmare to manage. Okay, managing that many people or even 10 people or 8 people in one transaction is never going to get you further ahead. You're really, the minimum you should take specifically on a residential property, uh, be it a fourplex, a townhouse, a house, is realistically should be around two. Okay, and that's the max I normally take for more of a residential property. I try to reduce myself because I'd like to keep my business simple because if you're focusing more of your time on administrative, issues, you're never going to be able to become successful and build your Donald Trump empire because you're constantly dealing with a lot of administrative stuff. So try to keep your partnerships as simple as you possibly can. You know, if you've got a partner that only has five or $10,000 and that's all they have, you really got to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, is that really the type of partner I want where their last $10,000 is all they have? Because I'll guarantee you, you're going to have a lot, you may have some issues down the road where they may want to get out. And if you've got several partners, you may be in a, in a really tough position. I've seen a lot of joint venture structures fail because they had too many partners on such a simple project. So keep it really, really, really simple. That's my recommendation. Okay. Whoops. Now, the way a joint venture structure looks like this, and, and people may have issues with the 50-50, and this is some of the things I really wanted to highlight to people because this is always one of the biggest challenges with the presentation. It's really letting the joint venture, the money partner, understand what the roles and the responsibilities are. And it's a very, very simple procedure. The money partner is 
doesn't really do much. They really provide the capital. Sure, they get onto the mortgage as well. They receive cash flow payments the way our company does it. We do it on a quarterly basis. We issue cash flow payments every single quarter. And in addition to that, we also, re, you know, they receive market updates so that they get a chance to see some of our newsletters that we post, take regular phone calls just to follow up and stuff. But at the end of the day, the only time that we, they're really involved is receiving their checks. So other than upfronting the cash, that's pretty much their main responsibility. They don't really have to do anything else. Now, from our company's perspective, and it'd be very similar to a lot of joint venture partners, and, and I recommend you know, taking a look at this very clearly, these are some of the responsibilities that you're going to be focusing, focusing on. So location analysis. So it's looking at the area that you're investing in, be it Vancouver, be it Edmonton or Calgary, it doesn't necessarily matter where, that you're taking the time to do your due diligence in the area that you're investing. Is the economy growing? Is there low vacancy rates? What's happening with real estate prices? You need to be aware of that at any given time, specifically, especially when you're first buying a property, especially if we're looking at long-term trends. You know, your property analysis, is this property going to cash flow or not if you're looking to rent, uh, rent the property? You know, you're the one that has to put the, uh, the contract or the, uh, the purchase offer uh, in together. The investment package, your diligence system, so it's making sure that you're constantly monitoring the diligence. Uh, your property checklist, so you're checking to make sure that there's no deficiencies in the property and that you're going to get these things fixed and repaired on a timely basis. Managing your property manager or, or you being the property manager. So you're going to have to take care of all the details in regards to property management. And that would include tenant screening, vacancies, collecting rent, uh, making sure mortgages are being paid, uh, bookkeeping. So are you doing the bookkeeping? Are you, do you have a bookkeeper that you've hired? Uh, in addition, you're going to need to prepare statements. So as soon as you get a joint venture partner, you're going to need to start providing them regular statements. Again, my, my recommendation is try to do it on a quarterly basis. It makes the administrative uh, headache a little bit less and it makes things a little bit easier. So you can focus on buying more property and less administration. And more importantly is obviously paying cash flow. So those are just some of the responsibilities that you would, that you would take on at the time of purchase. Now that just doesn't stop there. As being a real estate expert, there's a lot of ongoing market data and research that you need to be paying a lot of close attention to. So for us as a company, we do a lot of monthly workshops. So in a lot of, a lot of things that we do, we do quarterly reviews with our clients, uh, economic analysis, kind of touching base to see what's going on in the economy, uh, field analysis, what's happening with rental rates, vacancy rates, MLS stats in regards to what prices going up or down building relationships with economic development officers, uh, licensed data, the CMHC, Statistics Canada, seeing what's going on with trends, uh, continuing to build your investment team or strengthening the relationship of your investment team. Uh, in addition, we do an annual review, monthly newsletters, monthly market updates, third-party analysis, and that is some of the work that, is, that, that we're as a company responsible for, and this is why we're worth the 50% uh, of the deal because we do all of the work to make sure that this investment is secured. And at the end of the day, by doing this, the money partner is going to be floating in a bunch of money and that's the most important part for them. So they're looking at it as they're completely hands off, don't necessarily need to do any work and they're providing a better return on investment than what they're currently able to get be it on the stock market or mutual fund market or something of that nature and you're the one that's able to provide that for them. Okay. At the end of the day, 
the money partner should have a perspective of the joint venture partnership as almost five years of free labor. Yes, if you're renting the property uh, for a five, and you've got a five-year term, and I'm using this as a, as a scenario based on our organization, you know, it's like five years of free labor. We actually don't get paid the full payout until five years down the road, and the same thing would really apply to you for people that are doing rent or buy, uh, buy and hold. So you're doing all the work for the next five years for pretty much free, and at the fifth year, if you were successful with the investment, then you get paid. And remember, and we're going to talk about this at the very bottom, you also share some of the risk. You, the joint venture, the money partner has no management responsibilities. They don't have to take care of tenants or collect rent or deal with vacancies or fix or repair things. They don't have to deal with any of that stuff. That's the responsibility of you. you know, that you are experienced in your field and you have access to quality properties. You know, their expectation is that your investment team is top-notch and that you're going to be able to help them and provide them with good quality properties, that you know the market better than anybody else, that you have that they're going to be able to get better returns than their conventional investments. You know, if their mutual funds are generating a two to three percent return, that your returns are achieving a much better rate than what that is. Now even more importantly, and this is the one that always seems to work, is you only get rewarded if the investment does very, very well. And if it does well, then you get paid on 50%. But at the same time, if the investment is a liability, then you're also sharing on that risk as well, 50-50. Now understand, you don't have to do the liability in your joint venture agreement, but the reality is it's a much easier sales. So it's really important that you pick good quality properties uh, You know, if you're taking this aspect on in regards to sharing some of the liability side. At the very end of the day, you want to make sure that you're meeting your money partner's objectives. And those objectives are very, very simple. You know, a trusting relationship. You know, that they can have a good, solid, trusting relationship with you. That, you know, it's going to, you're going to be able to provide time as financial, that you're providing them with time and financial freedom. Um, at the end of it, leverage other people's time. That would be yourself and other people's experience. So that's yourself again. So that they're able to leverage this, and by leveraging their, your experience and your time, that they're going to be able to achieve some of their long-term objectives. They also see cash flow. You know, if you're looking at buy and hold, that there's going to be future current cash flow as well as future cash flow, and that they're going to be able to benefit from there. You know, hands off. No, it's very, very ease of management. They don't have to be managing anything, taking care of tenants or any of that. Better return on their investment than they're currently getting. Recession-proof. Uh, you know. It can be recession-proof. Realistically, you know, as long as you don't sell the property and you're generating a strong passive cash flow, and some properties right now are, are even below market value, but at the end of the day, you only lose money is when you sell it. But at the end of it, if you're doing well and it's providing good, strong cash flow, it can provide you long-term benefits, especially if you're holding out like 20, 25 years down the road. Eventually, that property will get itself paid off by the tenants. And even more importantly, there's a lot more control in real estate. By you having regular discussions with them, you can always revise and adjust your plan. And there's much more control than in the stock market where one day stocks can plummet and where real estate doesn't see that same type of uh, issue where it takes a little bit of a longer time. So as long as you're meeting their objectives, you're going to have yourself a very, very happy money partner. And then what tends to happen is you take care of them, you build that strong trusting relationship, they repeat, 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 and want to do to you. So this is going to kind of conclude my presentation in joint venture partnering. Um, I do want to leave you with one quote. Um, you know, teamwork is the ability to work together towards a common vision. The ability to direct accomplishments towards a team's objective 
it is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. So by working together, more people can become much more successful. So take the time, build those strong relationships, you know, work with your target market that you need to start with. So for people that are just getting started in joint venturing, you may want to start with your inner circles first and start to work your way out. So to kind of conclude, here's my contact information. Um, Please feel free to contact me. I'm more than happy to answer any questions or deal or answer any questions. Or if you've got some issues or concerns, I'm more than happy to help and answer. Uh, you can email me there. Uh, there's our website. Definitely follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the one thing I did promise you is uh, that questionnaire. Um, if you want to go onto our website, and uh, we do have a free. Uh, copy of an article here, Creating Wealth in Real Estate. If you want to register for that, I'll also send you the questionnaire as well. And uh, you can just follow us at www.prosperityinvestments.ca. So, you know, Eric, I, I want to thank everybody for attending today and taking the time uh, from their busy schedules to listen. And uh, if I can answer any questions in the next little while, please feel free. I'm here. And uh, again, thank you for taking the time to listen to me. So. Wow. Perfect timing. <laughs> sure, there are questions. So uh, first is Andrea. Okay. Andrea? Hello? Hold a second. Yes, you are unmuted now. Hello? Hello? Andrea? Am I there? Yes, we can uh, hear you. Hello, how are okay, you, Andrea? Beautiful. Sorry, I didn't realize my headphone was unplugged. I'm <laughs> thanks. I am wondering. <laughs> that was an awesome presentation. I took some good notes, I think. Great, um, thank you. I, with the questionnaire, now suppose that we are looking at building those new relationships, okay? Um, that's kind of sort of where I'm at. Would you in that first meeting with a new person present your client or no? But the, the questionnaire that you were talking about, or absolutely. would you save that? Yeah? No, absolutely. It's your first meeting with them. So, you know, literally what you want to do, Andrea, is, you know, you've, you've talked to people and you've said, you know, so, somebody's literally said to you, um, they're interested in hearing a little bit more about what you've got to offer. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, my recommendation is, and I do this quite often, is send them a copy of the questionnaire. Okay, and get them to okay. complete it, and get them to complete it uh, by the time you, you meet. Now, I would say about 70% of the time, they don't complete it and come to the meeting. Okay? Okay. So what you, what you do, Andrea, is you actually have copies in your briefcase. Of okay, course. And you fill out that questionnaire before you proceed forward with the presentation. Hmm. Okay. That's and excellent. It works, Thank you. It works every single time. Trust me. The questionnaire, uh, especially when you're doing joint ventures, it is probably one of the best tools to use in joint venturing. So. All right. That's excellent. Because I would have. Right. I would have saved it. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Good luck. Thanks. Okay. So Andrea, you are muted. Marcella, just hold a second. We have so many attendees. So. Marcella, you are next. Hello? Oh, no microphone. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> I, uh, I'm unfortunate I have to read it, right? So, that's fine. just give me a second. Whoa, Michael, thank you for sharing so, so very much information. I look forward 
to receive in your PowerPoint presentation on Canada REIC website. Great. Perfect. No problem. Be happy to help. That's no problem. And let me just go through the other questions. Anita, you are next. Yes, we can hear you. Hello? Yes. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, Anita. Okay. Uh, Michael, that was an absolutely terrific presentation. Uh, the information in it and your style are, are worthy of, uh, of uh, an Academy Award, if I may say so. <laughs> uh, my question <laughs> is, do you offer a, either one-on-one -on -one or group coaching, or alternatively, do you have a, uh, a package of a more detailed step-by-step, -step, including sample JV contracts that you offer, obviously, for a cost? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, sorry, Eric. I, you know, this is still supposed to be kind of more educational, but I'll have to plug it, unfortunately. That's okay. But, Go ahead. Uh, yeah. All the questions. Um, yeah. So I guess the answer to you is yes, we do have a training program starting on October the 25th and it's called the Prosperity Mentorship Training Program. It's a six-week program uh, and it literally starts you from point A to the end. You know, there's, you know, it talks about how to get started and at the very, very end, how to manage a real estate business, which includes joint venture partnerships. So uh, it is a very small group and we do it... Um, for a reason because we want to make sure there's lots of interaction amongst the people. We bring in a lot of guest speakers that come out um, to come share some of their experience and to teach you some tricks and some safety measures to, to help you become successful in real estate. Um, so yeah, we do have a program that's available and if, and if people are interested, my recommendation is just send me a quick email and I can provide them with some further information on this one. Um, we just launched this thing literally about a week ago and I really didn't do much advertising on it. We're pretty much half full now. I think I've only got five spots left. So, uh, and like I said, I haven't even posted on our Facebook page or anything yet. So if anybody else is interested, they're in BC. Uh, it's going to be located in Surrey and, and you're more than welcome to come and join us. Just shoot me off an email. I'll be more than happy to send them some information. So. Okay, being that the physical location is BC and I'm in the Toronto area, do you have um, live broadcasting capabilities or can you bundle it up and, and, and uh, offer it as a recorded package? Yeah, you know what we can do is um, we could probably do more of an online class as well. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you, but uh, I'd be open to looking at that. So I guess maybe my recommendation is send me a quick email and we'll make some arrangements to help you out with that. I will do that, Michael. Thank you very much. Sounds good. Okay, so you are muted, Anita, and just Morley. Morley, please go Hello. ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, great. Um, I put a couple of questions on the chat there. Um, when you meet a person for the first time, should you possibly be uh, asking for a, a private meeting later on or, or what's the uh, protocol when you first meet a person? Does that make sense? Uh, so like for example, like 
Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm just going to use this analogy, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But say, for Potential. example, you've met somebody at a barbecue, hypothetically. Yes. Potential JV. So is this your first meeting with them? Say, for example, you're at a barbecue or something of that nature, and uh, all of a sudden they say, I'm interested? Correct. That kind of a scenario? Exactly. Okay. My recommendation, yeah, my recommendation would be um, go and set up a separate meeting. Okay. But by doing so, um, I would recommend, you know, here's an opportunity where you, you may be in a social setting with them uh, to build a little bit of uh, relationship with them. You know, here's an opportunity where you can kind of socialize, talk to them, let them get a chance to know who you are, and, uh, and this way you get, and, and really don't talk too much about business, talk a little, little bit about life and relationships, because that's, that's what they're looking for is, they want to know, they want to see if you're a trusting and honest person. If you're there plugging at it right away, you become a salesperson. Save the sales for later. Remember, you're not there to sell, it's about building relationships and trust and honesty first, and the best way to do that is talk about, especially in that type of setting, like a barbecue or a social setting, talk about everything else other than real estate. You can say, listen, I'll be more than happy to talk about real estate. Uh, let's save it for our next meeting. You know, obviously you want a broad brush stroke it. Spend a little bit of time talking about it, but don't spend too much time talking about it. You, I would recommend you take that opportunity to get the chance to know them a little bit more, build that relationship. Sure, the conversation can turn real estate, but don't do the big questionnaire, the presentation at that very moment. Take it for a separate setting. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Thank you. Thanks okay. for the question. Uh, I, I saw you, you, wrote, you wrote three questions, morally. They're all related. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question answer. Okay. So you must be reading the moralist mind, Mr. Michael. <laughs> okay. So you are muted. And uh, oh. Okay. I can hear you, Emma. How you pronounce your name? A M M A. Emma. Emma. Okay. No microphone. Okay. That's. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Michael, for such educative presentation. I live in Surrey, BC. I will contact you later for further info. Sure. Sounds great. Look forward to it. That's okay. So, is there any, any further questions, guys? Because if not, we will close the webinar. So. 30 more seconds, guys. Okay, Stuart, raise the hand. <laughs> you have a microphone, Stuart. No, I don't. No. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I just went on the website and was wondering where was that question asked? Uh, just go, oh, the questionnaire is, I ask you to log on or to, or to sign up for the, just go and log on and register for the, uh, so it's under under the copy for a newsletter, just sign on to the newsletter, and what I'll do is, in the questionnaire, you'll get a copy of the Creating Wealth in Real Estate, and then I'll also send you a copy of the Joint Venture Questionnaire right after the webinar. Hello? Okay, thank you. Okay, great. Guys, even if you're saying that you have no microphone, I do try because most of the laptops, they do have a microphone and everybody's getting surprised they can talk. 
Yeah, you know what, Eric, you did that to me today, actually, so that was good. <laughs> Here we go. So, any, any further questions, guys? Uh, Come on, guys, ask questions. 30 seconds. Okay, Crystal, perfect. You are on. Hi, Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, Crystal, how are you? Good, good, thanks. I was trying to come up with a question because your presentation was like perfect to me. It answered a good. lot of my questions from the very beginning, but maybe just talking from your personal experience, how did you go out and find your first, or how did you target your, you know, your potential money partners? Sure. Very good question, actually. So thank you for that one. Um, really, I kind of started exactly like I presented today, and 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 uh, when I first started invest, when I started joint venturing, um, or started my presentations with joint venture partners, um, I did go out to the public first, and I think that was probably a big mistake because I didn't fine tune a lot of things, and again there's not a lot of trust or credibility with a brand spanking new relationship. It's very, very difficult. And so for me, excuse me, I did start with um, friends and family first. And, you know, did I make some adjustments into my take and my 50-50? I did. And that's why I'm telling you guys that you may have to do that. And what I did is I did take a little bit of a hit in the uh, my cash flow and um, my cash flow and then also the equity stake, but the experience and the knowledge is what's really helped me uh, expand our company and our career in joint venturing. It helped me become a lot more successful. So by doing a couple joint venture partners at maybe not a 50-50% ratio, and I'll tell you what it was, it was, uh, it was a 70-30 split, and don't be afraid to do it, especially when you're first getting started. That was probably the best learning for me because in future and most of the deals now, uh, you know, like I said, you know, we're getting a much better uh, ratio in regards to getting successful joint ventures and, uh, and it's just much more smoother and, and easier versus me just being, uh, you know, not necessarily taking that time to learn. So start with friends and family first and then start working up to more of a public side. And I guess maybe to answer your question a little further where I started maybe on the public end, uh, I did go out and did a lot of networking, so, you know, going to seminars. Um, networking groups, um, lots of different places, just to start to kind of build um, a client or a base. And you know, it took so much time, so much time, and so many hours away from friends and family to do it. Which is why I encourage you to start with friends and family. Um, that uh, you know, it's amazing how little activity you'll get. But what does tend to happen is once you start to, to develop yourself and build a reputation, leads start to kind of fall your way, and um, you tend not to need to do a lot of seminars and, and or go to a lot of seminars and uh, networking groups anymore because you start to get leads. And you believe it or not, if you work really, really hard at the very beginning by going to a lot of networking, you'll be surprised at one point in time you'll have so much money that you won't even have a place to put it. I know a lot of people say, I wish. <laughs> it does happen, trust me. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you.
Any more questions out there? Jason, I'm sorry. Jason, yes. Jason, you're ahead. Yes, hello. Hi, Jason. Is, How are uh, you? I'm fine, thanks. I was yeah. um, curious to know why uh, or why you would not go to a private money lender like uh, a company like Aaron Investments or Acceptance, I guess they're called. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is uh, the difference? Here you're well, paying just a 50 to your joint venture guy, and I guess with a private money guy, you're paying points. So from your perspective and your experience, just can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, okay, sorry, repeat that part of it again. So I'm sorry, I just kind of misunderstood what, uh, so say for example, if you're going to Aaron Acceptance, you're looking for, you mean so for us to go out? Go ahead. Yeah, if you go out, let's say you're, you're looking to, to borrow 100 grand and they're going to charge you like 10 points and 6% interest. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to do that with a question and they can do it tomorrow. Wouldn't that save you a lot of work versus going to um, friends and family or or spending a couple sure. of years? you know, cultivating a relationship and, and then having to pay 50%. So I just wanted to get your thoughts and get you to elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. It's really depending on, on what you want to do. If you want to actually, you know, own the property, and that's the big difference really, is you're going to actually, you own this property. You 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 are absolutely tied on it. You are on title. You are on mortgage. You are absolutely attached to this asset. So it's really depending on what you're looking for. So for me, I've always looked at it as kind of building relationships with other people and you know for me the success of real estate um, I looked at it as helping other people become successful where they didn't necessarily understand this business as well you know I've had a lot of other you know trust companies and other people that come talk to me as well and definitely at this stage of the game we're looking at entertaining several different things but for people that are just trying to get started and are wanting to do joint venturing um, it you know they this is a good opportunity to kind of build a big Base and and one of the things we look at it with joint ventures is it can it can go in several different facets of, of life. So for example, in in something that we're looking down the road is we're looking at buying you know strip malls and businesses and all sorts of different things. And it's because of the our, our ability and our track record uh, with joint venture partners and we'll be dealing with other corporations as well that want to participate that participate in this. And because of our experience. We now know how to structure a lot of these deals together, and it all started because of doing small little, tiny, tiny little deals. So it's dependent on how big you really want to get and where you want your business to grow to. So anyway, that that's kind of where we're at with, with it. I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I just, uh, just wanted to get you to elaborate a bit more. So Sure, it's, uh, no it problem. Helps. It sure. helps. I mean, it's... You're looking at it from a different perspective, and I, I must have missed that in your presentation, so appreciate sure. the answer. No, no problem at all. Okay, Jason, you are muted. And Emma, Michael, are you involved in the lease option, rent, rent-to-own? Um, to answer that question, not at this time. Um, Lease to own in some of our properties, we're looking at that as an exit strategy with several properties. Um, you know, we do a lot of our acquisitions right now is in the Edmonton and Calgary market, and, and we're very, very bullish in, in both of those markets right now. Um, so we look at that as, as kind of a long-term strategy. 
uh, with some of our clients. So at this stage, not at this point. You know, we're, we're looking at doing, a, we do a lot of apartment buildings as well, and that's kind of our focus at this stage in commercial properties. Uh, so some of our residential properties will probably be doing some of that within the next two to three years. So we're, we're really kind of more of a buy and hold. And then what's going to be happening is probably in the next year to two years, we'll be starting to convert some of those to rent to owns as, a, as part of our exit strategy. So. Okay, so that's answered the question. And Andrea, you are unmuted now. Hello. Thank you. I have a couple of questions, actually. Hi. Sorry, can you Hi not there, hear me? Andrea. No, we can hear you fine. Okay, thank you. I have, perfect. I have two questions. One is kind of a two-part question, I suppose. What is the largest deal you have done, and how long did it take you to raise the capital for it? Okay. Okay, um, I would say the largest deal we did was a 30-unit apartment building, and that was uh, the value of that one. Just to remember what that was actually. I think we were looking at about 2.2 uh, 2 .2 or $2.3 dollars, and it didn't take us very long to raise the money. In fact, we had the money in advance. So, what? Again, we're we're a little bit different for us. Is we don't actually buy the property unless we have the money available. Um, so we, we're not even looking at deals unless there's money, unless we have the money available. But we're kind of at a point now where, you know, we've got lots of money. We're just looking for the right deal to to come around. So and, and, you know, yeah. And for us, we're kind of in a, a little bit of a different model than maybe some of our larger competitors as well. Is you know, I'm kind of sharing a little bit of our secret a little bit, but uh, you know, I really like a lot of the mid-sized apartment buildings. So we don't compete against a lot of the REITs um, and some of the larger corporations that are looking for the 100 units, the 80 units, the 70 units. We're looking for some of the ones that are between that kind of, you know, in some cases the lowest we'd be looking at is between 17, 18, and we'd be looking at, you know, up to 40 units because there's still a lot of individual owners that are there. And our company's policy is we don't buy properties unless there's an equity position from the very, very beginning. So it's a little bit of a different model. Um, we just don't compete against, we just don't want to compete against some of the bigger companies. We just find that there's a lot of really good opportunities in that mid-range side. So, Fantastic. And yeah. the second question would be, um, what is maybe one of the biggest challenges or hurdles, I suppose, that you've maybe had to deal with on a specific deal or maybe just what would be an example of a deal that just went a little bit sideways and kind of how did you mm. just deal with some of those challenges? Sure. Well, I've got one that just came up and it's kind of an interesting story and then I could probably be here for another hour. Uh, but this one's <laughs> probably a really good good lesson for everybody. And this is, and again, this is real estate. Just because uh, you own a lot of properties, doesn't matter who you are, you're always learning. And this one was kind of an interesting one. So uh, real quick story. Um, we had an offer accepted, sorry, we had a, a property that was up for sale. It was probably about $300,000 below market value. It just wasn't listed properly. Uh, the agent did a horrible job in regards to doing an assessment on this thing. So we bought, we had an ex offer accepted within about an hour and a half. And what happened was uh, the husband had a business that wasn't doing very well. We knew he had about $300,000 of equity in this deal, but he was missing out on a huge opportunity. And um, huge opportunity. And what happened was uh, he needed to sell it. So he sold it. He took it home to his wife. And his wife was actually the property manager of his building. She was generating a, an income of about $25,000 a year, which is ludicrous. And uh, she didn't want to sell it. 
And so anyway, what happened was uh, they just didn't want to participate in it. And so they just they they were they just stopped communicating with the selling agent, <laughs> their agent, and they stopped communicating with us. So it's quite interesting. So anyway, the way we had our contract uh, put together, uh, it, it was it was it was set up in a specific way, and I'm not sure how many people buy apartment buildings out there, but uh, it was set up in a specific way where until they provided us with their information, the clock didn't officially start for condition removal. So we could have sat on this property for 20 years and the contract would still be live. Okay. Wow. So anyway, they weren't communicating with us and it was kind of an interesting process. We, um, we tried to communicate with them, we tried to talk to them, and then what tended to happen was uh, they, weren't, they weren't doing anything. So we sent a really strong worded letter from the lawyer and we went to try to courier it to them and they weren't accepting any couriers or nothing so they weren't receiving it <coughs> so they it was kind of interesting so what we did is uh we uh it, it just there was nothing so it was kind of interesting to see what was going on so we thought we'd try a different approach so we actually put a caveat on title because they were uh, neglecting their contract and it was breach of contract so we put a, a caveat on title so this kind of protected us and this is a lesson guys this kind of protected us so they weren't trying to do a private deal and a side deal on the side so they weren't able to sell it uh, even though they had an agreement that was live what we had done is we had sent a bailiff over with the copy of the letter and a copy of the caveat at the same time and it's kind of like an old movie where they actually it was like 11 o'clock at night time, knock on the door, ring the doorbell. They opened it, threw it at him and said, you've been served. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, they were absolutely scared to death uh, of this and uh, they started to proceed forward. So that was kind of a, a very interesting issue, but uh, like I said, that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's never happened to me, but that was kind of one piece. Of and I, I guess to maybe answer one of your questions, probably one of the biggest challenges out there for a lot of real estate investors um, is property management. And right. before you go, yeah, and before you start investing in real estate, uh, my recommendation is make sure you have your team set up first, no matter where it is, and try to do your best to find a good quality property manager. And, and here's a great form. You know, the Canadian Real Estate Investment Club, you've got thousands of people from all over the country that are investing in their hometowns, in Alberta, in Saskatchewan, doesn't matter where. Use your forum to build, you know, to get referrals. To and references and, and, and wait for them to talk to other people and, and, and build your established team. So anyway, get your team set up, get a good property manager. So. Perfect. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Good luck. Okay. So more likely there is no more further questions. Okay. Last, last call, like in the pub. <laughs> 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 okay. You know, like... In the pub, you, you spend in your money. Here, you, you, you're learning how to make them, right? So. Exactly. Okay, guys. Any, more, any further questions, raise your hand. Type in the question. 30 more seconds. And if not, we will finish. So here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, Marcella, I don't remember if you have a microphone. Do you have? Okay. No microphone. Holy Moses. You make me work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Marcella, 
yes, at the present time, we are building our team first, uppercase. Looks like we are well on our way on to our first JV, Marcelo. Congratulations. Okay. Congratulations. Congratulations. First one's always the hardest, but like I said, it becomes a lot easier than that. So congratulations. That's a big step. Perfect. And it looks like that will be a... Okay, I built... Sorry, let me just read it. Oh, okay, explanations why she doesn't have a microphone. Yes, I built my computer with <laughs> help of my husband, so I have no microphone, Marcella. Uh, Marcella, with all the respect, <laughs> go to the Future Shop, Best Buy, or anywhere else, and you get uh, any kind of microphone. You just plug to this computer, and you will be talking. Simple. <laughs> okay, guys, so, Michael, uh, do you have any final thoughts and, uh, and uh, suggestions and the feedback which you would like to share with uh, our members? Uh, th there's not too much more. Like I said, I just want to wish you guys all the success in the world. And, and like I said, if there's anything that I can do to kind of help you guys along with your journey, uh, feel free to give me a call. Send me an email. Um, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, again, I want to thank Yurik. You know, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak in the forum, and I, and I hopefully look forward to, to speak again in the near future. And, and like I said, uh, take the opportunity to uh, use the uh, Canadian Real Estate Investment Club's forum. And, and again, thank you and, and wish you all the success in the world. So, Definitely. Uh, for all of you guys, the, our goal is to provide as much as educational content as possible. And uh, Mr. Michael agreed to, to share his knowledge on a regular basis, and we will suck you dry, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I have no problems with that. So. Okay. Uh, additionally, to, to information about uh, Mr. Michael's websites, uh, you have uh, his contact informations, which are perfectly fine. You can also ask Mr. Na uh, Michael on the our forum, our club website, uh, and in discussion groups, so he will be yeah. more than happy to answer. I do really encourage to ask those questions on the forum. Why? Because yeah. if you ask once, but many others can read the answers. So we are about sharing, right? So that's the, yeah. that's the goal. So Mr. Michael, thank you very much. That was very, thank very you. informative. And we, will, we are recording that. It will be posted on Canada REIC websites and the materials. I will contact you after all, and we will post it on the proper sections. Thank you very much, and looking forward to have you on the board next time. Great. Thanks, guys. Street Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing, no BS. For more info, www.streetsmartrei.com.